Chapter 2, Part 1 of The Metamorphosis by Franz Kafka, translated by Ian Johnston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Gregor first woke up from his heavy, swoon-like sleep in the evening twilight. He would certainly have woken up soon afterwards without any disturbance, for he felt himself sufficiently rested and wide awake, although it appeared to him as if a hurried step and a cautious closing of the door to the hall had aroused him. Light from the electric street lamps lay pale here and there on the ceiling and on the higher parts of the furniture, but underneath, around Gregor, it was dark. He pushed himself slowly toward the door, still groping awkwardly with his feelers, which he now learned to value for the first time, to check what was happening there. His left side seemed one single long and pleasantly stretched scar, and he really had to hobble on his two rows of legs. In addition, one small leg had been seriously wounded in the course of the morning incident. It was almost a miracle that only one had been hurt, and dragged lifelessly behind. By the door he noticed what had really lured him there. It was the smell of something to eat. A bowl stood there filled with sweetened milk in which swam tiny pieces of white bread. He almost laughed with joy, for he now had a much greater hunger than in the morning, and he immediately dipped his head almost up to and over his eyes down into the milk. But he soon drew it back again in disappointment not just because it was difficult for him to eat on account of his delicate left side. He could eat only if his entire panting body worked in a coordinated way, but also because the milk, which otherwise was his favourite drink, and which his sister had certainly placed there for that reason, did not appeal to him at all. He turned away from the bowl almost with aversion, and crept back into the middle of the room. In the living room, as Gregor saw through the crack in the door, the gas was lit. But where on other occasions at this time of day his father was accustomed to read the afternoon newspaper in a loud voice to his mother, and sometimes also to his sister, at the moment no sound was audible. Now, perhaps this reading aloud, about which his sister had always spoken and written to him, had recently fallen out of the general routine but it was so still all around, in spite of the fact that the apartment was certainly not empty. What a quiet life the family leads, said Gregor to himself, and as he stared fixedly out in front of him into the darkness, he felt a great pride that he had been able to provide such a life in a beautiful apartment like this for his parents and his sister. But how would things go, if now all tranquillity, all prosperity, all contentment, should come to a horrible end. In order not to lose himself in such thoughts, Gregor preferred to set himself moving, so he moved up and down in his room. Once, during the long evening, one side door and then the other door was opened, just a tiny crack, and quickly closed again. Someone presumably needed to come in, but had then thought better of it. Gregor immediately took up a position by the living-room door, determined to bring in the hesitant visitor somehow or other, or at least to find out who it might be. But now the door was not opened any more, and Gregor waited in vain. 
Earlier, when the door had been barred, they had all wanted to come in to him. Now, when he had opened one door, and when the others had obviously been opened during the day, no one came any more, and the keys were stuck in the locks on the outside. The light in the living room was turned off only late at night, and now it was easy to establish that his parents and his sister had stayed awake all this time, for one could hear clearly as all three moved away on tiptoe. Now it was certain that no one would come into Gregor any more until the morning. Thus, he had a long time to think, undisturbed, about how he should reorganize his life from scratch. But the high, open room in which he was compelled to lie flat on the floor made him anxious, without his being able to figure out the reason, for he had lived in the room for five years. With a half-unconscious turn, and not without a slight shame, he scurried under the couch, where, in spite of the fact that his back was a little cramped, and he could no longer lift up his head, he felt very comfortable, and was sorry only that his body was too wide to fit completely under it. There he remained, the entire night which he spent partly in a state of semi-sleep, out of which his hunger constantly woke him with a start, but partly in a state of worry and murky hopes which all led to the conclusion that for the time being he would have to keep calm and with patience and the greatest consideration for his family tolerate the troubles which in his present condition he was now forced to cause them. Already early in the morning, it was still almost night, Gregor had an opportunity to test the power of the decisions he had just made for his sister, almost fully dressed, opened the door from the hall into his room, and looked eagerly inside. She did not find him immediately, but when she noticed him under the couch—God, he had to be somewhere or other, for he could hardly fly away—she got such a shock that, without being able to control herself, she slammed the door shut once again from the outside. However, as if she were sorry for her behaviour, she immediately opened the door again and walked in on her tiptoes as if she was in the presence of a serious invalid, or a total stranger. Gregor had pushed his head forward just to the edge of the couch and was observing her. Would she really notice that he had left the milk standing, not indeed from any lack of hunger, and would she bring in something else to eat more suitable for him? If she did not do it on her own, he would sooner starve to death than call her attention to the fact. Although he had a powerful urge to move beyond the couch, throw himself at his sister's feet, and beg her for something or other good to eat. But his sister noticed right away with astonishment that the bowl was still full, with only a little milk spilled around it. She picked it up immediately, although not with her bare hands, but with a rag, and took it out of the room. Gregor was extremely curious what she would bring as a substitute, and he pictured to himself different ideas about it but he never could have guessed what his sister, out of the goodness of her heart, in fact did. She brought him, to test his taste, an entire selection, all spread out on an old newspaper. There were old half-rotten vegetables, bones from the evening meal covered with a white sauce which had almost solidified, some raisins and almonds, cheese which Gregor had declared inedible two days earlier, a slice of dry bread and a slice of salted bread, smeared with butter. In addition to all this she put down a bowl, probably designated once and for all as Gregor's, into which she had poured some water. 
and out of her delicacy of feeling, since she knew that Gregor would not eat in front of her, she went away very quickly, and even turned the key in the lock, so that Gregor would now observe that he could make himself as comfortable as he wished. Gregor's small limbs buzzed now that the time for eating had come. His wounds must in any case have already healed completely. He felt no handicap on that score. He was astonished at that, and thought about how more than a month ago he had cut his finger slightly with a knife, and how this wound had hurt enough even the day before yesterday. Am I now going to be less sensitive? He thought, already sucking greedily on the cheese, which had strongly attracted him right away, more than all the other foods. Quickly, and with his eyes watering with satisfaction, he ate one after the other, the cheese, the vegetables, and the sauce. The fresh food, by contrast, didn't taste good to him. He couldn't bear the smell, and even carried the things he wanted to eat a little distance away. By the time his sister slowly turned the key, as a sign that he should withdraw, he was long finished and now lay lazily in the same spot. The noise immediately startled him, in spite of the fact that he was already almost asleep, and he scurried back again under the couch. But it cost him great self-control to remain under the couch, even for the short time his sister was in the room, because his body had filled out somewhat on account of the rich meal, and in the narrow space there he could scarcely breathe. In the midst of minor attacks of asphyxiation, he looked at her with somewhat protruding eyes, as his unsuspecting sister swept up with a broom. Not just the remnants, but even the foods which Gregor had not touched at all, as if these were also now useless, and as she dumped everything quickly into a bucket, which she closed with a wooden lid, and then carried all of it out of the room. She had hardly turned around before Gregor had already dragged himself out from the couch, stretched out, and let his body expand. In this way, Gregor got his food every day, once in the morning, when his parents and the servant girl were still asleep, and a second time after the common noon meal, for his parents were, as before, asleep then for a little while, and the servant girl was sent off by his sister on some errand or other. They certainly would not have wanted Gregor to starve to death, but perhaps they could not have endured finding out what he ate other than by hearsay. Perhaps his sister wanted to spare them what was possibly only a small grief, for they were really suffering quite enough already. What sorts of excuses people had used on that first morning to get the doctor and the locksmith out of the house, Gregor was completely unable to ascertain. Since they could not understand him, no one, not even his sister, thought that he might be able to understand others. And thus, when his sister was in her room, he had to be content with listening now and then to her sighs and invocations to the saints. Only later, when she had grown somewhat accustomed to everything, naturally there could never be any talk of her growing completely accustomed to it, Gregor sometimes caught a comment which was intended to be friendly, or could be interpreted as such. Well, today it tasted good to him, she said, if Gregor had really cleaned up what he had to eat. Whereas, in the reverse situation, which gradually repeated itself more and more frequently, she used to say sadly, Now everything has stopped again. But, while Gregor could get no new information directly, he did hear a good deal from the room next door, and as soon as he heard voices he scurried right away to the appropriate door and pressed his entire body against it. 
In the early days especially, there was no conversation which was not concerned with him in some way or other, even if only in secret. For two days, at all meal-times, discussions on that subject could be heard on how people should now behave. But they also talked about the same subject in the times between meals, for there were always at least two family members at home, since no one really wanted to remain in the house alone, and people could not under any circumstances leave the apartment completely empty. In addition, on the very first day the servant-girl, it was not completely clear what and how much she knew about what had happened, on her knees had begged his mother to let her go immediately, and when she said good-bye about fifteen minutes later, she thanked them for the dismissal with tears in her eyes, as if she was receiving the greatest favour which people had shown her there, and without any one demanding it from her, she swore a fearful oath not to betray any one, not even the slightest bit. Now his sister had to team up with his mother to do the cooking, although that didn't create much trouble because people were eating almost nothing. Again and again Gregor listened as one of them vainly invited another to eat, and received no answer other than, Thank you, I've had enough, or something like that and perhaps they had stopped having anything to drink, too. His sister often asked his father whether he wanted to have a beer, and gladly offered to fetch it herself. And when his father was silent, she said, in order to remove any reservations he might have, that she could send the caretaker's wife to get it. But then his father finally said a resounding no, and nothing more would be spoken about it. Already, during the first day, his father laid out all the financial circumstances and prospects to his mother and to his sister as well. From time to time he stood up from the table and pulled out of the small lock-box salvaged from his business, which had collapsed five years previously, some document or other, or some notebook. The sound was audible as he opened up the complicated lock and, after removing what he was looking for, locked it up again. These explanations by his father were, in part, the first enjoyable thing that Gregor had the chance to listen to since his imprisonment. He had thought that nothing at all was left over for his father from that business. At least his father had told him nothing to contradict that view, and Gregor in any case hadn't asked him about it. At the time Gregor's only concern had been to use everything he had in order to allow his family to forget as quickly as possible the business misfortune which had brought them all into a state of complete hopelessness. And so, at that point, he started to work with a special intensity, and from an assistant had become, almost overnight, a travelling salesman, who naturally had entirely different possibilities for earning money, and whose successes at work were converted immediately into the form of cash commissions, which could be set out on the table at home, in front of his astonished and delighted family. Those had been beautiful days, and they had never come back afterwards, at least not with the same splendour, in spite of the fact that Gregor later earned so much money that he was in a position to bear the expenses of the entire family costs, which he in fact did bear. They had become quite accustomed to it, both the family and Gregor as well, they took the money with thanks, and he happily surrendered it, but the special warmth was no longer present. 
Only the sister had remained close to Gregor, and it was his secret plan to send her next year to the conservatory, regardless of the great expense which that necessarily involved, and which would be made up in other ways. In contrast to Gregor, she loved music very much and knew how to play the violin charmingly. Now and then, during Gregor's short stays in the city, the conservatory was mentioned in conversations with his sister, but always only as a beautiful dream, whose realization was unimaginable, and their parents never listened to these innocent expectations with pleasure. But Gregor thought about them with scrupulous consideration, and intended to explain the matter ceremoniously on Christmas Eve. In his present situation such futile ideas went through his head while he pushed himself right up against the door and listened. Sometimes in his general exhaustion he couldn't listen any more and let his head bang listlessly against the door. But he immediately pulled himself together, for even the small sound which he made by this motion was heard nearby and silenced everyone. There he goes on again, said the father after a while clearly turning towards the door, and only then would the interrupted conversation gradually be resumed again. Gregor found out clearly enough, for his father tended to repeat himself often in his explanations, partly because he had not personally concerned himself with these matters for a long time now, and partly also because his mother did not understand everything right away for the first time, that, in spite of all bad luck, a fortune, although a very small one, was available from the old times, which the interest which had not been touched had in the intervening time gradually allowed to increase a little. Furthermore, in addition to this, the money which Gregor had brought home every month, he had kept only a few florins for himself, had not been completely spent and had grown into a small capital amount. Gregor, behind his door, nodded eagerly, rejoicing over this unanticipated foresight and frugality. True, with this excess money he could have paid off more of his father's debt to his employer, and the day on which he could be rid of this position would have been a lot closer. But now things were doubtless better the way his father had arranged them. At the moment, however, this money was not nearly sufficient to permit the family to live on the interest payments. Perhaps it would be enough to maintain the family for one, or at most, two years, that's all. Thus it only added up to an amount which one should not really draw upon, and which must be set aside for an emergency. But the money to live on had to be earned. Now, although his father was old, he was a healthy man who had not worked at all for five years, and thus could not be counted on for very much. He had in these five years, the first holidays of his trouble-filled but unsuccessful life, put on a good deal of fat and thus had become really heavy. And should his old mother now perhaps work for money, a woman who suffered from asthma, for whom wandering through the apartment even now was a great strain, and who spent every second day on the sofa by the open window, laboring for breath? Should his sister earn money, a girl who was still a seventeen-year-old child, whose earlier lifestyle had been so delightful that it had consisted of dressing herself nicely, sleeping in late, helping around the house, taking part in a few modest enjoyments, and, above all, playing the violin. When it came to talking about this need to earn money, at first Gregor went away from the door and threw himself on the cool leather sofa beside the door, for he was quite hot from shame and sorrow. 
Often he lay there all night long. He didn't sleep a moment and just scratched on the leather for hours at a time. He undertook the very difficult task of shoving a chair over to the window. Then he crept up on the window sill and, braced in the chair, leaned against the window to look out, obviously with some memory or other of the satisfaction which that used to bring him in earlier times. Actually, from day to day he perceived things with less and less clarity, even those a short distance away. The hospital across the street, the all-too-frequent sight of which he had previously cursed, was not visible at all any more, and if he had not been precisely aware that he lived in the quiet but completely urban Charlotte Street, he could have believed that from his window he was peering out at a featureless wasteland, in which the grey heaven and the grey earth had merged and were indistinguishable. His attentive sister must have observed a couple of times that the chair stood by the window. Then, after cleaning up the room, each time she pushed the chair back right against the window, and from now on she even left the inner casement open. If Gregor had only been able to speak to his sister and thank her for everything that she had to do for him, he would have tolerated her service more easily. As it was, he suffered under it. The sister admittedly sought to cover up the awkwardness of everything as much as possible, and, as time went by, she naturally got more successful at it. But with the passing of time, Gregor also came to understand everything more precisely. Even her entrance was terrible for him. As soon as she entered, she ran straight to the window without taking the time to shut the door, in spite of the fact that she was otherwise very considerate in sparing anyone the sight of Gregor's room, and yanked the window open with eager hands, as if she was almost suffocating, and remained for a while by the window, breathing deeply, even when it was still so cold. With this running a noise, she frightened Gregor twice every day. The entire time he trembled under the couch, and yet he knew very well that she would certainly have spared him gladly, if it had only been possible to remain with the window closed, in a room where Gregor lived. End of chapter 2, part 1